0: Don't act like you're better than this, Gavin. Just get their credit card numbers and start the timer. We'll let the network take everything from there. Ass. The following podcast contains... Outrageous behavior and shocking gutter talk. Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you got shit-faced and dialed that fake-ass phone sex line for $4 a minute, what the hell were you thinking? I'm your host, Dave Bledsoe, and this is episode number 323. $2 for the first minute and 99 cents each additional minute edition of the show, where we charge you by the minute from now until the end of this podcast, just like a 1-900 line. Stay tuned. The What the Hell Were You Thinking podcast is brought to you by 1-900. Hi, Gavin. That's one 900 2846 And catch up with everyone's favorite podcast producer, Gavin St. James. Your behind behind-the-scenes gossip about your favorite Seltzer King stars and all the dirt on what Dave Bledsoe has done while drunk this week. There's a new message every week from Gavin, whether it's the benefits of Earl Grey tea or his thoughts on Brexit, Hi Gavin is created just for you, the What the Hell listener. 900-HI-GAVIN is the best way to get inside the mind of an angry, bitter British man trapped inside the unending hell of working for a low-rated podcast. It's two ninety-nine dollars a minute for the first minute and $0.99 cents each additional minute. Kids, ask your parents before you call 1-900-HI-GAVIN. That's 1-900-444-2846. <laughs> What makes people all over America break down and cry like this? Call 1-900-740-3500 and hear it for yourself. Two dollars per minute. If you're under 18, ask your parents before you call. 1-900-740-3500. Long before AOL's instant messenger... We too had a communications medium that facilitated the transmission of pointless information that we called a telephone. A new was phone. This device was quite different from our modern devices that we simply call phones. The telephone was a large plastic device mounted on the wall in the kitchen with a long coiled wire that stretched an extraordinary length, say from the kitchen all the way down the hall into your bedroom and the only thing you could do on this device was speak to another person and listen when they replied. Telephone was a source of familial tension between family members as in those days, there was only the singular telephone occasionally there might be multiple handsets in the household, but there was only the single number for calls to come in and go out on, leading to one being, say, a very important conversation on a matter of gravest sensitivity, and then you would hear the click and the breathing of a sibling or parent lifting the other handset in the house, forcing you to stop and say, Mom, get off the phone! Which then prompted you to tell the other party on your call that you would be calling them back shortly because your parents were about to explain to you again that they paid for this goddamn phone bill and if you want your own fucking phone you best get your ass a job and pay for it yourself and also don't use that tone with me in this house young man this would happen at least once a day more if you had siblings close enough in age to you to also spend time on the telephone i know how unbelievable it might sound to young ears today but a landline phone in the 80s was absurdly expensive you paid a flat monthly rate for local service which wasn't that bad but then long-distance rates routinely ran 50 cents or more a minute, and overseas calls, forget about it. You might as well fly over and talk to them in person. Until 1993, you didn't even own your phone, not even your Sports Illustrated football phone. You rented it like a cable box. So running multiple lines into your average home was just a waste of money. Maybe if your parents had a home office, they might spring for a second line, but just so you could spend six hours a night on the phone with your friends? Oh, forget about it! It would take the government busting up a 100-year-old monopoly in Bell Telephone and the rise of dial-up internet to create an affordable market for the multi-line family. Any additional cost was offset, of course, by the enormous increase of family civility and tranquility as phone fighting became a problem of the past. And around the same time as the phone company monopoly was getting busted up, a new way to use your phone began to crop up. A new and expensive way to use your phone. Coincidence. Not at all. Like I said. There was local service numbers in your same area code. Then there was long distance numbers outside your area code. We had to punch that one before you dialed them. Then came the emergency numbers like 911 or 411. Although we used to just be able to dial zero for an operator, but you know they had to make it more complicated and add two more numbers. And then in 1967, a new thing came along: a toll-free number, a 1-800 number. Yeah, I have heard of it. But those were super expensive and only the big corporations could afford them. But in 1984, when the baby bells were created by busting up the long distance company of AT&T, long distance rates plummeted, and now your Uncle Fiorello shitter pumping service could afford to buy 1-800-758-8755, that's 1-800-SHITTER-TRUCK, and 800 numbers exploded. But then, starting around the same time, was something different, the so-called premium rate number. Never heard of that. Oh, but you've definitely seen them advertised if you're over 30, you might even want to have used one yourself if you're over 40. They all started with the same four numbers, 1-900. Now all a premium rate number really is is just a 1-800 number where the phone company gets to keep the money for the phone call part of the call and the company that owns the number tax on whatever fees they're charging the customer for whatever it is they're selling. Then the total for that 900 call is added to the customer's bill and paid first to the phone company who kicks back the non-phone part of the call one's phone? to the owner of the number. It sounds more nefarious than it actually was, though it rapidly became just as nefarious as it sounds. It seemed a little convoluted. That's only because it is. The earliest use of a 900 number I could find began, oddly enough, with Jimmy Carter. A thing, is that what upset him? In 1977, there was a special number where Americans could call in and leave their questions for Jimmy, and that question might be selected to be read by Walter Cronkite, even if they were about... Peanuts? No to be asked during an interview. The big difference is folks didn't have to pay any extra for the call, so it was like an 800. But by 1980, AT&T had set up the 900 number as the premium rate number it became. And in 1982, it would be used on a mass scale for the first time. On Saturday Night Live, Eddie Murphy held up a live lobster during a sketch and informed viewers that Larry the Lobster's fate was in their hands, giving out two 900 numbers, one to spare Larry's life and the other to boil Larry alive, and told viewers they could cast a vote for 50 cents by each. And by the end of the episode, over half a million calls were received. Now, I hear some of you asking, what happened to Larry the Lobster? Well, let me let Eddie and Brian Doyle Murray explain it to you. Last week on Saturday Night Live, we asked our viewers to decide the fate of Larry the Lobster. Almost half a million viewers called in to register their votes. 293,096 people voted to save Larry, and 227,452 voted to kill him. Interestingly enough, most of the votes to kill Larry came from the state of Maine. Here with an update on the fate of Larry the Lobster is our own Eddie Murphy. Eddie, Now, you could find that entire sketch on YouTube fairly easily, but let's just say... After some unpleasantness, Larry was delicious. And they raised over $200,000 from that little stunt alone. From an article on Priceanomics.com, quote, During the early years when carriers took in almost all the revenue from 900 calls, the technology was fairly basic. There was no interactivity, no using your touchtone phone to select an option. Still, in 1981, the first full year of service, at and recorded 10.9 million calls. That number would soon look minuscule. In 1987, AT&T started a national program that allowed 900 information providers, people who provided the audio content, the chance to earn money from their numbers. Similar to the way anyone now can start their own e-commerce website, AT&T opened up the 900 program to any entrepreneur who had an idea and set a price of $2 for the first minute of a call and more for additional minutes. An entirely new information economy opened up overnight and the first 900 number entrepreneurs struck gold prior to 1987. There were only 44 numbers with a 900 prefix available while AT&T beta tested the technology. There were rumors that the people who got those first numbers, which they mainly use for adult chat lines, became wealthy practically overnight. Bruce Kushnick, a a telecom strategist who helped Sprint start its own 900 service in 1989, says that during those early days, it was a free-for-all. He remembers being in a meeting with 25 or so of the first national pay-per-call developers when someone asked how many people in the room were millionaires. Just about everyone raised a hand, unquote. As you might guess, with that kind of money out there for essentially no real effort— It didn't take long for other entrepreneurs to get on on the action. Entrepreneurs like NASA with their shuttle line. From an article in mentalfloss.com, quote, For $2 for the first minute and $0.45 per additional minute, callers could call and listen in on mission status reports and any press conferences NASA held mid-flight. The number was originally created so journalists could call and listen to those conversations between the shuttle and Missing Control. The hotline later became public, which made for a horrifying situation when thousands of callers heard the Challenger explosion in real time. Hang up the phone! Or there was the time that DC Comics decided to let fans vote on whether or not to let the Joker kill Robin. Again from Mental Floss. Quote, DC Comics found itself in an awkward spot in 1988 when Batman fans had become truly sick of Jason Todd, the second character to fill the role of Robin. DC didn't know what to do with the character, so the writers let the fans decide. At the end of Batman 427, the Joker brutally beat Robin and left him to die in an explosion. DC printed a 900 number in that issue that gave the voters 36 hour window to call and vote on whether the Boy Wonder should live or die. Fans killed off Robin by 5,343 to 5,271 margin, which led to an outcry amongst the old guard comic fans and writers. Jason Todd later miraculously came back to life, unquote. It wasn't all death and destruction. Most 900 numbers offered fans a chance to connect with their idols for a price. DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince had their own 900 number where their fans could call and hear a message from the DJ and or the rapper. Said DJ and rapper were already making a shit ton of money, but they tacked on another six figures a year from their 900 number. If you were of the mind, you could dial Jose and reach baseball star Jose Canseco, making him a reported 500 grand. How about your favorite wrestlers? You could dial up any number of them like Hulk Hogan or Captain Lou Albano for $1.49 for the first minute and $0.99 each each additional minute and explain to them. It's still real to me, damn it! (laughs) The producers of the A-Team even managed to get fans to script the show for them and pay for the privilege when they asked the fans to vote for a fee, of course, on the outcome of a mysterious figure the A-Team had been contracted to get to the States from Europe, and the fans voted to make the mysterious figure the face man's dad. I love it when a plan comes together. Again, from Priceonomics, quote, in 1993, there were more than 10,900,000 numbers in operation. You could call a number to play interactive Wheel of Fortune, or get farm commodity prices or surfing conditions, to get advice from a lawyer or an estimate on your used car, to order a soap opera magazine, to hear a religious rap song, or to meet a single man in Alaska. You could dial a 900 number to help victims of Hurricane Hugo, to get coupons, to record a music audition, to vote for Miss America, or to get Microsoft technical support. There were cartoon hotlines, tax help hotlines, joke hotlines, insurance hotlines, and even horror hotlines. For $60, you could call a 900 number and listen to a three hour live broadcast of a Penn State football game. There was even a $25 hotline that you could call to get information on starting a hotline, unquote. But these were chump change compared to the real money to be made in 900 numbers and I think we all know what I'm talking about it's that time of the night again time for a little bit of excitement time for a little action time for some late night fun wouldn't you like to know what's on our minds about now call 1-800-560-GIRL 299 per minute adults only Come on, wouldn't you like to party with us tonight? In the early 90s, one could not watch television after the local news at 11 without being bombarded by ads featuring alluring young women wearing racy lingerie, crooning about how lonely they were, and wishing that you would call and talk to them. So there you were. Maybe you were sitting there on your couch, you got off work at 11, and had a few beers to decompress after a long shift. Maybe the family's asleep. Or maybe you're a young airman living in the military dorms alone without a family. And there is this breathtaking, sultry woman on the television that wants to talk to you. Now, normally you would never do something like this. But you got a little buzz on, so, you know, you pick up your Sports Illustrated football phone, and you tap out the numbers on the screen. After about five minutes, you finally get put through to Alina the Vixen, a fiery redhead with a husky voice who slowly ask what you want to do to her, and the operative word being slowly. The long pauses, the breathy moans, the glacial build-up towards climax, and before you know it, you've been on the phone for a fucking hour at ninety-nine cents a minute. That's outrageous! I won't pay it. Oh, but you will pay it because it's right there on your fucking phone bill. And if you want to contest it, you got to admit you were rubbing one out while talking to a stranger on the phone in the middle of the night, and that's just admitting that you're bored, sad, and lonely, and pathetic. So you're paying it. Not, 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 not that I, I I would know or ever did. It's just a, it's just something I heard from some people. Now look. Sex work is work. And this podcast supports sex workers of all stripes. The women, and it's almost always women working in phone sex, are working in perhaps the safest version of sex work. And like all sex work, it involves selling a fantasy. So while the caller is stroking their pud to bath Shera, the barbarian princess with her breast heaving against her chain teeny, Brenda, the stay-at-home mom, is in a trailer outside Des Moines trying to do all she can to keep that caller on the line as long as possible because that's how Brenda gets paid. But Brenda wasn't, and still isn't, because sex lines are still a thing, making very much money per call. The company running the line is keeping the biggest share of the profits, which is where I have a problem with phone sex and indeed 900 numbers in general. They are and were a scam. A stunning amount of fraud, well, stunning, only from the perspective of anyone without two brain cells to rump together, existed in 900 numbers, and it was a huge problem by the late 1980s, and it was clear something had to be done. Going back to the article in priceanomics.com, quote, Americans saw endless late-night commercials filled with fantasy girls awkwardly in silk lingerie while holding touch-tone phones. In 1988, just a year after 900 rises really started, Congress passed a law that banned so-called dial-up porn. But a year later, the Supreme Court overturn the ban. Moral judgments aside, there were real problems with fraud in the early years of 900 numbers. Scammers inserted long delays into messages to ramp up charges, peddled worthless generic information, made messages perfectly difficult to hear, and charged excessive unadvertised fees. In one case, a company advertised a 900 number for driver's jobs in 60 newspapers at $20 a call, but didn't re- reveal that there were only three positions available. Perhaps the most stunning scandal was a TV ad for a Santa Claus hotline that urged children to hold the phones up to the screen. When they did, a program tone automatically dialed a 900 number. That phone bill was a hell of a present for mommy and daddy. The most serious cases involved children. Local and national media reported on a 17-year-old's $10,500 phone bill for using chat lines. A boy with a disability's $8,000 bill for a phone quiz and a girl who called teen idol Corey Hames hotline 216 times, unquote. Imagine the set of balls it takes to run a commercial that literally dials the number from the television and marketing it to little kids just old enough to understand the concept of I phone? I don't think most of you even know what the fuck that's from and I'm gonna keep playing it anyway. I went hunting for the commercial with Santa Claus, but something that fucking illegal is rightfully buried so deep it shares a grave with Jimmy Hoffa. By 1992, Congress finally passed a law that passed Supreme Court muster, and it halved 900 revenues instantly. The Federal Trade Commission mandated that every 900 number run a disclaimer right at the front of the call, informing callers from eight to 80 that, you really did have to pay for these charges. But what really killed the 900 number was the Federal Trade Commission mandating that a customer could dispute any 900 charge and not pay them until the dispute was settled. And it was on the 900 carrier to prove that the charges were not made accidentally, like say your cat accidentally accidentally dialed a phone fuck line. Naughty little girl. So 900 numbers slowly began to fade from the cultural zeitgeist as the internet grew. All the functions from body to banal were replaced by simply putting them there. Once more from Priceonomics, quote, As it became more and more difficult to collect from consumers, telephone carriers dropped out of the 900 number business. AT&T left in 2002, and in 2012, the last 900 carriers standing, Verizon, owners of MCI, announced they were done. In the U.S., at least, the 900, 900 number era was over, unquote. Like so many other things on this show, this is a story about a world on the cusp of the internet. That liminal space between the fully analog world that was the 1960s and 70s and the digital world that we inhabit now. Almost all the functions of 900 numbers served were instantly subsumed by the internet, along with pretty much every other form of communication. For the first time, we could connect with celebrities or sports figures directly instead of passively, passively by watching them from a distance on television. We could use technology to make our opinions known, admittedly for a fee, but it was in real time. Whether that opinion be on the fate of a lobster or even who we wanted for president, which was also a 900 number in the 1980 election. The phone results that came back in between Carter and Reagan, America wanted Reagan by almost exactly the same margins of the actual electoral vote. Oh, shit. There was a market there for our input and for us to feel closer to celebrity that is basically what modern social media is now. And just like with social media now, advertisers and con artists dominated this market because they understood one very simple fact about Americans. Well literally buy anything people pitch them. And it takes the government to come in and stop the con artists and the corporates from sucking the idiots dry like vampires on a bender in a goth club. I mean, people literally paid for stuff like this. I'm Jessica Hahn, and when people hear my name, they think of headlines, scandal, and controversy. But very few people know my side of the story, and almost no one knows how I really feel. Now I'm ready to reveal the secrets I have held for so long and share my most personal thoughts with you. You'll be shocked and amazed at what I have to say about Jessica Hahn. Jessica Hahn tells all. Call 1-900-568-6868. $2 a minute. Adults only. I mean, I guess good for Jessica because that Playboy money isn't all it is cracked up to be. But still, you could just read everything she told you in like Time Magazine or Newsweek. It was all right there. It literally took Congress and the Federal Trade Commission to make it so abundantly clear that you were being scammed and then telling you that you really didn't have to pay for it before it stopped being profitable to run a 900 number. But that didn't mean that it wasn't profitable to use the 900 number business model on an 800 number if you got a credit card. People might not hand out their credit card to say Al Lewis from the Monsters. Hiya kids, it's me, your friend Grandpa. I gotta tell you, I am starting a new club and I want you to join. It's called the Junior Vampires of America. I mean, you'll hear scary monster stories now. To call, you got to ask your parents' permission and call this phone number, one 909 4300 But there were a lot of people out there who would happily turn over their credit card number for something just as fucking stupid. And I think after all of this, we all know who I'm talking about. Don't go blindly through life. Let me use the power of the tarot to show you the way. Call me now for your free reading. Call 1-800-355-3765. And that is where we will pick up next week when I finally get to what I wanted to talk about this entire episode, Miss Cleo's Psychic Network. Oh, come, come on, man. man. Look, I'm going to stretch content as far as I can because these shows don't fucking write themselves, y'all. That is it for our show this week. Well, look at us pulling off another multi-episode arc out of the thinnest content imaginable. Got to give it to our writing staff for taking so much dross and somehow finding the tiniest glimmer of gold. Well, not real gold, but at least something shiny-ish in all that crap. Speaking of finding crap, rate and review this show wherever you get your pods. It helps others find us and say, wow, that's crap. All of my shitty observations are on the social at the hell underscores podcast and the show name on Facebook. You can help pay for this load of fecal material by donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash what podcast. Get all of our episodes ad free and early and occasionally some content exclusive to our patrons. I mean, we don't do it often. We, we do it rarely, like once a year or whenever I come up with a riff that I can make fun of Gavin. All of our shit can be found on whatthehellpodcast.com, and we are a proud member of the Seltzer Kings Podcast Network who want to remind you that they have a great many shows that are actually good and wish we would stop referring to our show as shitty because it really doesn't help the numbers go up. So for me, Dave, call now for hot women waiting to talk to you, Bledsoe. Producer, dear small child, dial this number and don't tell your parents. Gavin and all the fictional fun girls on the chat line. We want to say, hello, how are you? Have you been all right through all these lonely, lonely nights? That's what we'd say. We'd, we'd tell you everything if you just pick up that telephone and stay on there for at least 45 minutes. We'll see you all next week. So when I'd say I'd tell you everything if you'd pick up that telephone Yeah, yeah, yeah Hey How you feel What the hell were you thinking? Stars Dave Bledsoe and features Gavin St. James and several fictional minions. The show is produced by Kimberly Steele and a part of the Seltzer Kings Podcast Network. You can find more information on the show on their website, whatthehellpodcast.com, or on Twitter at thehell underscore podcast, or on Facebook as whatthehellpodcast. Thanks for listening. I have no ending for this, so I take a small bow. Seltzer Kings Podcasts.